Our God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with trees. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Hey, happy God Whisperers Day. <laughs> it's Monday. It's God Whisperers Day. Every day. I'm Craig God D'Onofrio. He is, who are I'm Bill you, Swirla. Mr. Sir? Bill Swirla. We are the manly doctors of divinity, the irreverent reverence of irreligiosity. Disturbing yet compelling. Anything else? You I think that more? covers it. You ca- you, you, Disturbing you, yet compelling now has a trademark over it. TM. You, you notice there's a we, we've we've introduced we've trademarked disturbing yet compelling. Well, I I, I don't know. Or was it, it compelling yet disturbing? Uh, Did I get that wrong? I don't no, know. I, I think it's disturbing yet compelling. But that's our that's trademark. Hey, wh- why Nobody is it that, that the the Facebook page has a steaming pile of scubala? <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody keeps changing the the banners there, and I, and I, I tried to change them and I couldn't for some reason. I think so. that's a, that's the that's Henning DHSO is behind a lot yeah, of this. Yeah, yeah, no, that's Henning at work there, and yes. And, uh, <laughs> Yes, yeah, you know that's not a bad. I mean, it's it's not a bad banner, but I I don't. Every time I go to the well, that's the lounge. That's the that's the, the lounge, GW right, lounge, right. which we still haven't closed. You know, the majority well, the kids the, have been behaving themselves, but the majority of people <clears throat> want it closed. I think they want to misbehave. That's that's. Uh, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm starting to think that it, that open is better just because it keeps everybody behaving. But but uh, the kids have been pretty good. Yeah, they've, good. they've they've been they've been pretty well behaved lately. So, uh, well, we haven't had another <clears throat> f bomb controversy on on Facebook in a long time. The coffee controversy. The coffee. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The controversy over the the coffee. Now, yeah. if you don't know what we're talking about, just Google the f bomb <laughs> and coffee, and you'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> That's really overpriced coffee. I've got two. I've got a shipment of Pete's coming in. I can get two pounds for the price of that coffee. Yeah, but that stuff's supposed to be the, like the, the, wake, like the wake, five hour wake, energy drink. Wake of... the f up coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, yeah. yes, yes. And then certain people got their undies all wadded up. Certain <sighs> synodical type people or something. You know, like an that. interesting question came up. If you forgive somebody. Must you must you be their Facebook friend? No. And I, I looked I looked throughout the New Testament. Oh, speaking of Skype, um, I, I I I looked through uh, throughout the New Testament trying to see if if the Bible has anything to say about Facebook, but I really can't can't uh, can't find anything. On it. <laughs> and thou shalt friend thy Facebook buddy. This is a little bit like saying, and... you know, if you forgive somebody, do you have to go on a camping trip with them? You know, answer: No. You know what? I love a lot of my friends. As a matter of fact, I love all my friends. That's why they're my friends. But I don't travel with most of them. No. No, 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 that, that's, that, that's, that's right. That's a small, that's a tiny subset of friends that you can actually, uh, say, do more than an hour's car trip with. As, as a matter or of fact. Or a camping trip or the, the granddaddy of them all, a week's vacation. I consider you one of my dearest friends, but if I had to spend more than a day trip with you. Oh, no, it wouldn't work. I'd club you to death. Absolutely. No, there'd be. Like there'd, a baby seal. There'd be a murder-suicide <laughs> thing going on there. That, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dream of traveling with you. Are you kidding? I oh, mean, no. This would, this would be, I mean, this would be like, uh, like David and the Philistines. I mean, you know, I, I just I couldn't imagine it. Now, Debbie wants us to put together the God Whisperers cruise. 
And I'm all for who? it. Uh, Debbie. Debbie who? Our, our, uh, our limo-providing friend. Oh, Debbie. Debbie and that Kurt Debbie. Debbie. Yeah. Debbie uh, of Kurt and Debbie. She wants right. to put a GW Oh, yeah, yeah. Together. She wants to help me put it together. She knows how. Yeah, but, well, right. but I'm going to have to stay, like, far aft and you up up at the bow that or won't be a problem like that. I, I think that would be okay because there's like you know 1500 people on a boat so i, I think i think and i think if we're if we're more than 100 yards away from each other we'd be fine it won't be a problem because <laughs> wherever there's a crowd you'll be drawn you know that's true and like, you'll, you'll like, be and you'll, wherever there's a crowd i will be repelled you'll be so, up in the crow's nest or something i'll Just, find something to do hmm <laughs> But uh, that's that's really not. I don't I don't see that as an issue at all because uh, no, generally no. you'd be lost in the crowd and I would be so um, repelled by the crowd that that I wouldn't be anywhere near that. Yeah, yeah. I'd probably be sitting at the bottom of the pool or something. That's uh, that's really my that's that's probably my most comfortable place is about forty feet underwater, by, all by yourself, pretty much. So, even even when you're with people, you're by yourself that way. You know, I mean, you you have to keep your eye on the other person. Yeah. But otherwise, you. You can't hear them. The, the, the last few dives I did, which was a while ago now, um, but but it turned out to be solo dives because I got so frustrated with my dive buddies, uh, and there there were a couple of dive buddies. Their gear breaking down, and just think, I finally said, "Screw it, I'm going under." I just told them, I said, "You know, if I don't come up in about sixty minutes, just call rest, call search and rescue, call okay. the coroner." Well, look first and then decide. <laughs> but it's twelve hours. Well, hey, oh, I love it. What do, we, what do we got going here? It's got, noon. I forgot. I told my computer. I'm hearing, to, I'm hearing little little voices. And this uh, is how I remind myself to get off the internet. Good, because grief. it says it's two a.m. and I said, "What? It's yeah. it's huh?" All right. So, so give us the Skype number six two six five nine three seventy seven thirteen Manly Doctors thirteen. All right. Godwhispers dot com. Godwhispers dot org. Godwhispers at gmail dot com. Godwhispers on Facebook. Godwhispers on Twitter. What more do you need to know? Tweet tweet. That's it. Do do we have any uh, 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 emails? Whatever those things are called, messages that are sent over the interweb. Let's go to the let's go to the mailbag. <laughs> Hey, it's the Swirlitzer Hoedown. <laughs> Lepker promises new I'm music I'm for the 200. Oh, that'd be good. Yes. Only 12 episodes away. Well, there you go. All right, let's see what we got here. We've got... Um, hmm. Mike. A resident Philistine and Iron Maiden fan, no less. Writes, hi guys. That's long, redundant, isn't it? Long time listener, ever since episode one. <laughs> wow, man. Anyway, it's good to know that you guys have standards of what is acceptable and what is not. We do. When when do we? We have standards. Well, I think maybe a Facebook page. I don't know. Oh yeah, that could be uh, on account of. We, oh, we'd well, like to wait maintain a maintain a career. Well, at least Swirla does. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah, that's easy. Oh. I'm binge listening because I'm behind on my episodes. We've warned you about this, and well, whether you like it or not, you're the most entertaining Christian podcast out there. It can't be all theology all the time, like issues, etc. Plus, issues puts out too much content in a week. Ten hours a week to listen to. Yeah, Todd Wilkin, you can't, you can't do that. Can't believe I used to do that. Why? Oh, why did I ever do that? <laughs> we, you know, buyer's remorse settles in sooner or later, even with free content. And plus, yeah, one word: cold play. 
Yeah. Enough said. It's getting old. Really old. Anyway, I got to episode 166. Unlike this. This will never get old. <laughs> Our God has been so wildly. Didn't we just do that? Yeah. He doesn't obey my commands. And we keep Wait a minute. <laughs> He's got- <laughs> there Thank we go. you. All or right. this. That'll never get that, old either. No. That it, will it, never, it really ever get doesn't. old. Anyway, I got to episode 166 and realized that there's something that you guys think crosses the line. I never thought it would be. Uh, no, let me try that again. I got to episode 166 and realized there's something that you guys, something that you guys think crosses the line. I never thought it would be a monkey flying out of Craig's butt. Did that cross the line? I don't know. I mean, you give Mrs. Miller sainthood. You punish us with sunseed. Punish? We entertain with Sunseed. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, punishment. This is great stuff. This is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just let that play while you read it. Okay, that's <clears throat> um, You constantly remind us to inquire no more, you feral beast, and play organ music like it's going out of style. All this is acceptable, in some cases enjoyable, but no, a monkey flying out of Craig's butt, that's going too far. Well, I guess you had to draw the line somewhere, and you've chosen to draw it on Craig's butt. I think that's an image we could all do without. I do, too. I agree completely with Mike here. So. <laughs> let's we we let's, love the bump bump there. That's let's all. torture him some more. Ah, oh, here's a musical one. Dear Craig D'Onofrio, this comes to oh, you. Oh, to me directly. With an exclamation point, no less. It was yes. a great pleasure. A great pleasure to finally... Get to touch base with a member of one of my all-time fave Christian rock bands of the 80s, Modern Mission. Really? When your LP and cassette came out, I bought one of each. I still have the LP, but no turntable. Ah, yes. So I have a dilemma. In that blog about MM, and I think that stands for Modern, Modern Mission, yes. Mission, you mentioned a link for the album for download, but the link no longer works. Yeah, I noticed that. Or is broken, etc. <laughs> like Modern Mission itself. Is there any way, and this is any way as one word, I think he means it as two words, you know how I am about grammar, uh, you have to pos- that you have to possibly email me songs or let me know of another possible link. That's a big fan. I now, uh, now wait, wait, wait <clears throat> before you, before you comment. Yeah, this is where it gets personal. All right, any help will be much appreciated. Thank you so much for putting out an album that really helped me through the hard times with my walk with the Lord. May God continue to bless and use you sincerely, Tom. Tom is not a Christian. Anymore. <laughs> I will see if I can uh, put together a you send it uh, package of some sort there. A special, how many how many songs are in the modern mission canon? And do you have remember. them all? I, I do have them all. I don't remember how many were on the album. Like, do you 12? have them in, in analog to digital converted form? They are in MP3 format. So they are converted to digital? Yes. I yeah. assume that given their their... Is this modern mission that this we're is, listening Yeah, to? this is it. That's it, it just so you happened know, that I threw it on the soundboard. I didn't even see this coming. I, I don't know whether I, I woke up in a charitable mood today, but this isn't half bad. Are you, do you vocal on this? Are you, no, this is all Iggy on this one. Harmonies, too? Yeah, he's, he's harmonizing himself. The guy's got talent. Yeah. 
You ever been in America's Got Talent? No, but if uh, Logo Network put out a uh, version, he might be on that. Logo? Yeah, that's the gay and lesbian one. That's, uh, they like those acts on America's Got Talent. Yeah. I don't know. He actually still tours. He's, he's, really? Yeah, he's out there working his... Did his, you just slander him, or is he... Is, no, is he's... Is he freely out? Freely out? He's, and, he's uh, out and about? Activist? Or oot and a boot, as the you, Canadians you can say look him in his up. Stanley his, Cup his, playoff. Uh, his stage name is Steven Alvarado. Oh. And he's good. He's a nice guy, too. He's got a great voice. Yeah. He, he and I reconnected there. a couple of years ago. You did. And uh, when when I quit the band, it was not uh, your, your giggling. We didn't connect that way. Oh, you, no. I, I, you Elka freak. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when, when, I, I, when I quit the band, yeah. it was not under good terms between us. But uh, since we have reconciled, we have kissed and made up, as it were. Oh, oh I just threw that out there. I oh, mean, that's a softball. Oh. You can't miss that one right there. Hey, that would, but, little, uh, little man love. That's fine. I'm, I'm good with that. I'm, I'm down. I'm down with that. You see the uh, the Russian uh, reporter who tried to kiss Will Smith on the mouth? No, was it was, was it, it a girl? Some, no. <laughs> Smith, Smith reaches out, gives him a little smack to the face. But I guess this guy, he's like the Borat of, of the Soviet Union. And likes to do sort of red carpet stunts, you know, and, and uh, so he's, he's kind of inspired by Sasha. Uh, he, Cohen, he pretty you know. much said, Will, don't play that game. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, yeah okay. that, that was, that was don't, don't do that to Will. All right, enough of the modern mission. Actually, I, I, it's funny because I queued that up because I was looking, because it's Pentecost. I was looking for fire music. Oh, right. Oh, is that it? So I've got Ring of Fire. No, no, not Through the Fire. Ring of Fire. Uh, Johnny Cash's adultery song. Just just (laughs) looking. Is that about adultery? It is. Yeah. Really? This is when he was uh, canoodling with uh, June Carter while he was still married to wife number one. Really? Uh huh. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. I thought I thought you know Sarah Vole. Look up Sarah Vole, who's a, a marvelous essayist. I, she does. Um, what's what's that? What's that NPR show? American Family or something like that? Car talk? No, not not. <laughs> but Sarah Vole. Companion. Uh, Sarah Vole is a great essayist. And, wait, wait, and, don't tell me. And her stuff. No, 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 none of those. Um, those are the only ones I can think of. But she did. A, she did a, a, an extended piece on this song. And 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 the backstory behind it, and and uh, I I think actually June Carter Cash wrote it. I, I uh, but yeah, that that's yeah. But this this <clears throat> this from what I remember about the fine docudrama. This is not this is not uh, <laughs> holy fire that we're talking about here. So uh, ah well, see, I didn't know that. All that I know is our friend Pat's wife Kelly. Uh, when she was pregnant, she said that every time she hears this song, she thinks of her raging hemorrhoids. <laughs> hey, the mailman's here, and she, Rufus is losing his mind. See, there he goes. So she she referred to that as the ring of fire, and now whenever I hear that song, oh, you think of hemorrhoids? I yeah. So so you ruined be, it. You're going to be able to Just help Tom it. here. Your 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 biggest probably your biggest fan. Um, Our only fan. Well, I don't know. I mean, in existence. But but you were one of his all time fave. Fave Christian rock bands of the eighties. You know, I'll say one thing about Modern Mission. It, it went one of three ways: you either loved us, hated us, or didn't know that we existed. <laughs> Isn't that much true? Of so much. You know, you guys were actually a little <laughs> bit ahead of your time there. Uh, I think nineteen eighty-five. Yeah, that's uh, it's. You know, you guys had a good sound. 
Not bad. Not bad. Uh, let's see. This is off of WordPress here. What Calling you, what out you Chloe munches the scream is offset to have been painted with the sky reflecting the Krakatoa eruption and how the sky often looked for months. In the Western Hemisphere, after the eruption, the painting done about a decade after the event, it amazes me that one of them sold for about $120 million recently. What does this have to do with the God Whisper? You know, exactly? well, that's because that was the, I used the scream uh, for ah. the, the, the cover art for, uh, huh, all right, whatever. Uh, yesterday from Joshua. Fantastic show, fellas. That would be last week's show. Would be curious to hear if you listen to Roseboro's lecture, Resistance is Futile, You Will Be Assimilated into the Community. If you have, what are your thoughts? Have you ever heard that lecture from Chris? No. It's about the Peter Drucker uh, organizational principles coming into the church via Hybels and uh, Rick Warren. Oh, the, the assimilation movement. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- this is visionary leadership. And uh, which, incidentally, I, I mean, I think that's that's that is just that's just horrific stuff. When you take when you take what business means by the word vision, and you put a religious overlay on that, because vision in religious circles means um, prophetic utterance. It means something divine. God's talking to you. Well, let me. So ask if you. I have if I if I'm a visionary leader and I cast a vision in in church circles, that means that God has spoken to me, and it would be a sin to contradict or work against me. Isn't isn't if I'm the pastor and I say this is my vision for the church, I'm basically saying this is the way I perceive that things need need to go in this direction. Much like our dear synodical president. Harrison. We have all kinds of... I don't know what that was. It's weird because... Just crazy... uh, um, Who kind of casts a vision with his witness, mercy, and life together. Is that not a vision for the church? What my point is that when you... If you look at... Look, just take an English concordance and look up the word vision. Especially in the Old Testament, it's always prophetic. You know, like um, when Samuel was was born, you know, the the the, the writer of, of First Samuel says that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision, uh, or I think there's a, there's something in the Proverbs that's often quoted about a people without vision perish. That's one of their favorite proof texts. But that's it means a people without the word mm. uh, perish. It does not mean. So you're uh, talking about the prophetic office or the prophetic nature of the office in this case well i'm talking about the the fact that that in religious circles and in old testament new testament circles vision means something from god not not um long-term plan not a strategic plan not something that's done by our reason and senses you know are we not casting a vision more or less when we stand up in the pulpit and say in the name of the father son and holy spirit is that not no Somewhat of a <laughs> no. vision casting no, we're proclaiming there, the word, but that is a prophetic thing that we're doing there in a sense. No, only, only in its its forthtelling capacity. But, <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Here's the big difference: is you had no direct word from the Lord. You're just simply uh, retelling what the um, what the scriptures say. You're just restating right. the prophetic right. and apostolic scriptures. Yeah. But so. it is it is in a thus saith the Lord kind of way. But it's nothing. Oh yeah, yes, it's it nothing is. new. But but the only <laughs> the only reason you can say thus saith the Lord is that's what He hath said, right? And it's recorded in the prophetic and apostolic word. Not not uh, not. I woke up this morning 
and God gave me this vision. Now, for those pastors out there who are standing up and saying, thus saith the Lord, here are seven ways to have better Christian finances. There you go. Uh, I perceive that you are a false prophet, and we should drag you out to the edge of town, throw rocks at you until you <laughs> stop moving, or you need to repent of that nonsense. Yeah, well, the trouble is it's become sort of boilerplate in our circles, especially uh, in these so-called pastoral leadership circles, you know, that, that it's the job of the pastor to be the visionary leader. If we were talking about anything but religion, it would be okay. Well, okay. So here's, here's one of the things we had Tom Brashears on the show, yes. uh, who has a master's much like Chris Roseboro does same school, same, same degree. Pepperdine. Pepperdine. Business school. Business uh, in uh, organizational leadership. Well, see, that's where Chris is hip to this though, is that yeah. he's, he's, you know, eyeball deep in Peter Drucker organizational principles right but in and tom is i believe dead on correct that we need to be able to keep the people motivated and focused on what we're here about and and does that not call for us to set forth a vision for the church i i i i imagine the church or i i have my vision for the church is that we are a place that proclaims the gospel to all people at all times in and out of season we are here to be about Christ and him crucified. And, and so we set forth our vision that how are we going to go about doing this? And, and like I said, Harrison has done so with his witness, mercy, life together. But all of this is utterly scriptural as far as the life, mercy, you know, uh, uh, witness and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I don't think I've heard President Harrison ever say that this is... Um a vision. A vision, or that he's vision casting. In fact, he seems to avoid that language gratefully. Um, but, you know, as Roseboro will point out, it's more than just vision because, because that vision has to be adopted. Anybody who opposes the vision needs to go. Okay. You know, the, the Drucker thing is not just uh, having visionary leadership. It's getting everybody unanimously on board behind the, the cast vision. Rufus is having a vision right now. Yeah, well, he's just having a vision it's of a, either a squirrel, a possum, or a cat. Vision of killing a cat. Come here, Rufus. Yeah. Hey, cut that out. Come on. Come on. No, I, I, I he, think he bagged uh, a possum number four not too long ago. Well, so one of the things, you know, there's, a, there's a tension um, between kingdoms here, eternal kingdom and temporal kingdom, when you're dealing with the church. Because a congregation or a synod or any of these things... These are all temporal kingdom things, and right. they're governed. Some they're, left hand stuff going on. There. Yeah, but they're governed in a temporal kingdom way, and so it's it's tempting, I think, to use like you know Drucker principles or other organizational principles from the business world uh, to to manage and work the temporal aspects of congregation or synod or church body or whatever. Uh, the problem is that all of that serves the eternal kingdom and the proclamation of the gospel for faith in which the eternal system consists entirely. It's entirely by faith alone in Christ alone. And so, you know, that's, that's the problem. I like to say that as a pastor, I, I serve the Lord, but I work for a congregation. <laughs> Congregation's my employer right. at, at, at some level. They're the one who signed the paycheck. They're the one who, you know, handle the tax stuff. I get a, I get a tax uh, form uh, from, uh, you know, our payroll people and, and things like that. So, you know, in the temporal kingdom, there's no difference between uh, what you and I do and what anybody else does for a paycheck. Would you say that part of the problem here is pragmatism? 
in in a world that calls for high ideas and ideals well, in I the think... church we we are we are people of a principle instead of you know what what's going to work to drag people in you know the light show and the strippers and everything else you know oh i mean liturgical dancers um you know all of that w- might appeal to certain people but does it work against the ideas and ideals of of the gospel see that there's the difference in 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 say the civil order uh the the goals are purely temporal and so the temporal means and temporal goals are quite compatible in the church you have this kind of this tension because the goals are eternal while the the means at our disposal are still temporal and uh and and i think that's where the problem lies is not everything that is appropriate in business circles or even in uh just say the world of volunteer organizations whether it be the local bonsai club or whatever else necessarily translates into the church that's your problem with church growth that's your problem with all these leadership initiatives. See, I think it's an abuse of the pastoral office to use that authority to say, I am the temporal leader here. And you are, you know, and I, therefore the vision I cast is from the Lord. And you must listen to me because to disobey this vision is to go against the Lord. Hmm. Um, that's the problem. Pastoral authority, you know, we always talk about the call, divine call. It means only one thing and one thing only that when I forgive sins, it's as valid and certain in your ears as it is in heaven. Also, as if Christ himself were standing there with his wounds speaking to you, uh, the divine call gives no job security, no tenure, no promise of pay, no promise of health insurance or pension benefits or any of that stuff. That's purely temporal kingdom stuff. The only thing a divine call is good for is the authority to speak in the stead and by the command of Christ. Yeah, isn't that interesting? When done right, the congregation can vote against you. They can stop paying you, but they can't get rid of you. Unless you're, sure you're they can. I mean, unless you're living a manifest uh, immoral life, those are all temporal you, rules. You refuse made, to do your job we made or those whatever. Rules up. Yeah, but I'm saying, I'm they saying, can change the locks tomorrow in the Missouri Synod. When done properly, the pastor can show up actually pay you money and tell you that your sins are forgiven <laughs> the, w- the way that our polity is drawn up well it's not it's this polity is irrelevant you can you can you can organize a congregation any way you wish yeah you can organize church body any way you wish too i suppose uh but that's all temporal kingdom stuff and it's ultimately finally irrelevant yeah, it is. You're um, right. See, the, the trouble is it's ministerial. It serves the purposes of the eternal kingdom. It serves the purposes of our union with Christ through faith. And as such, uh, you have to kind of be careful how you use the things of this world. You know, we're in the world but not of the world in this ordo of the church. It, and it's just an odd business. And I think that's what creates the, the weirdness, the tension in the pastoral office. There's a real temptation to say, I'm the pastor I'm the visionary. I'm the leader. God said so. God called me. He ordained me to that. That's why I don't like those terms pastoral and leadership lumped together. The problem is if pastor doesn't take leadership, who will? Yeah. There's going to be somebody. Well, and, that's, and he's usually some evangelical wannabe who just basically wants to, wants to transform the church into a Baptist church. Yeah, more or less. Or whatever is successful in the local neighborhood, you know. So, no, we haven't listened to, you know, uh, the thing is, I know Chris. Uh, I spent a lot of time talking to him. I know his shtick. Um, 
and stuff like that. And so uh, it's like you, <laughs> you don't go to his lectures because uh, if you have lunch with Chris, you'll get the lecture. Uh, it's, and it's good. I think he's done some good stuff there. Well, uh, it has come. Our time has come. Oh, for... wait a minute. Oh, do I... You, I was waiting to see if you were going to catch the clock yeah. there because you have music today. I'm going to go out on this. There we go. You almost got stuck with the little rascals because I was in a oh, panic. Oh, no, not, not little rascals. I didn't know when it came on. I usually handle the music. John Michael Talbot. Come, Holy Spirit. We'll be back. Thy pure beaming radiance give. Come now, Father. Back to the God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. I'm Bill Swirla. What are what and or who are the we listening choir to? Choir and orchestra of Saint Olaf College. Beautiful stuff. Oh yeah, best best Lutheran choir on the planet. Saint Olaf. Best thing in the ELCA. Their choir. Yes. They have one of the premier music programs. Still, one of the premier church music programs, choir, organ, composition. Back around 1991-92, I went to Disneyland for the Christmas events that they have, and I was really, really blessed. I've mentioned this before. James Earl Jones did the reading from Luke. James Earl Jones. Oh, yeah. And it came to pass. Is excellent. Anyway, and St. Olaf. In Southern California. Could you pull that off? And St. Olaf Choir was there. Oh, they were. See, they, were they were fantastic. That's the caliber yeah. we're talking about. Yeah. I had the privilege of hearing them, uh, I think, at the big Presbyterian Church in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. I believe that's where we were. But uh, just, I mean, the sound is just phenomenal. The blend. 
you know, and, and uh, they mix them all up too. They don't they don't all stand together, but they the, the parts are distributed. Uh, oh, that's so, interesting. So you, Usually, you have the baritone section and the soprano section. Yeah, and all that, not but. necessarily. <clears throat> uh, but you know, you have that caliber of singer and that kind of choral discipline there. That uh, hey, it's just the tremendous music program they have going there. Do we have anything exciting left in the mailbag, or shall we get oh, to a Nagel sermon, or I what think would you like well, to do? I, I've got a Nagel sermon on deck here, but I thought maybe, maybe, just uh, before we did that, and, and it's a good one. It's not a Pentecost sermon, but it's one of those where Nagel does this riff of, like, six weeks of pericopes. Just kind of, it's it's a it's a Nagel riff. Every once in a while, I, I I like to do that once in a while, just for all those people who come to church once a month. You know, just here's what you, <laughs> it's like these shows, these serial shows where the, the recap at the beginning. Yeah, on the last episode of, uh, but but he it's it's from Acts four, and it's the healing of the lame man and the investigation that follows because you know it's it's about the name of Jesus where the Sanhedrin say don't preach in this name anymore. But he, he does kind of whip it through Pentecost. So I, there was enough Pentecost in there that I thought it might be uh, uh, useful. But I thought it might be uh, helpful, since this is Pentecost Monday, to uh, just talk about Pentecost for a bit. And, we can do and, that. And its biblical and theological uh, significance. <clears throat> so we look at Acts 2, I take it. Acts chapter 2. Yes. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, Pentecost is simply the Greek word for 50 Pentecostes, uh, referring to the 50th day after uh, Passover. And so it was the, the uh, harvest of the winter wheat. It was, it was kind of a, almost like a Thanksgiving celebration. It, it, was, it, was, it coincided with the harvest of the winter wheat. And in later post-exilic Judaism, it came to also be a day to celebrate the giving of the Torah, so, uh, so it had kind of double significance. It was a harvest festival, and it celebrated the giving of the Torah. That's where I knew about the Torah part, but I didn't know about the harvest part. Well, the harvest parts, that's the biblical part. That's Leviticus, the Feast of Ingathering. Yeah, that's right. So it's the winter wheat. Now that you There's the harvest yes. festival. So, and you, you kind of see both, both components there. Um, it is the first harvest of the resurrection, and that is, you know, Jesus' death and resurrection has accomplished the salvation of the world. And now uh, the Lord harvests the first fruits of that in the 3,000 that believe and are baptized at Pentecost. Um, and so you have that aspect of it. This is the first fruits of, of Jesus' Passover, if you will. Uh, the, second, the second component, which is the non-biblical component, <coughs> the giving of the Torah, is you have all the same manifestations that you expect of a Torah event. You know, you have rushing wind, fire. Uh, you don't have a mountain. You know, that's, that's, that's the one thing missing. Um, and then the preaching of, of the Torah in the flesh, that is Jesus, you know. And so you have, you have this kind of second Moses thing going on and, and more, of course. But uh, so you got, you got both of these things going on. But anyway, they were all together in one place. The all together, they are uh, 120 packed into an upper room, including, including the mother of our Lord, including Mary. All the icons have her as the center of the of attention. You notice, you notice all the Pentecost icons? Mary, right smack in the middle, larger than life, and everybody else kind of gathered around her. Um, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. 
and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. What do you make of that? Um, Sinai, you know, the, the uh, fire is, is, it's theophany. Fire is, is the, the, the presence of God. And Jesus himself promised, or John said, that I baptize you with water, uh, but there's one coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, or as a Hendiades, the fire of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and so, I, I was, so this is, this is you know, you've always wondered, were they ever baptized a second time? The answer is no. These guys were baptized in John's baptism, most likely, and now that baptism is brought to its fulfillment in the baptism of the Holy Spirit here. I was, I was mostly curious what you made of the tongues part. Uh, not a lot. Just, just a way of describing a, uh, a flame. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do, I do recall Luther saying that, uh, it's always depicted it, that the, the fire resting over their heads. So they're like little candles. Uh, when he says that you should probably depict this as the fire resting over their mouths because that's where the action is. Hmm. It's in the it's it's in the speaking. Did they sing this little light of mine? Uh, no, okay. and nor were they actually ablaze either. So let's just <laughs> you know, and it only takes a spark to get the fire <laughs> going. You know all that. Hey. No, but you know, yeah, another you know, another Sinai type event the 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 burning bush. Right. You know, Christ, the revelation of Christ to Moses. In the bush that is on fire but is not consumed. It's, it's, not a, it's not a consuming law fire, but it is a gospel. It's a revealing gospel fire. So you have that, that element in there, too. Uh, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. I don't think that the tongues and tongues, I'm looking. Oh, yeah, no, it is tongues. Um, tongues as of fire, and they began speaking in other tongues. It's glossi in both of them. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, <clears throat> a pun, I don't know, maybe, hmm? uh, speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, the important thing is your languages, 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 discernible yes. languages. Uh, not, not what we call glossolalia and the babbling and unknown. Baramazda Shudabarahanda. That, yes. yes, right. You do that so well, it... Handa! Handa, yeah, it gives me the creeps right there. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews. Hey, by the way, have you seen the Benny Hinn video where somebody turned his jacket light into sabers. a lightsaber? I love those. It's phenomenal. I, that, that, is, that is just <laughs> YouTube. That's what YouTube was made for. Exactly. That and Pastor Gas. Between, between <laughs> you know, mocking Robert Tilton and, and, and mocking Benny Hinn, I mean, that is just great stuff. Uh, <laughs> Acts 2.5, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. I, you know, I mean, the, the Luke, of course, being a universalist in the right sense of the word here, is is making a big deal out of like all nations are represented in Jerusalem. Uh, probably more accurately, the uh, Mediterranean world was represented, but that's kind of a Roman centric way of looking at things. I don't think Chang from Hong Kong showed up for this one, but I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> if he does, he's not included in the languages. Um, and at the sound, that is the sound of the wind and the speaking, the multitude came together and they were bewildered. A bewilderment. Well, a bewilderment. They were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. See, there it is. It's, they, they were not hearing the what we call glossolalia, which sounds a lot like... 
Baramazda Shurabara. That's not what they were hearing. They were hearing their own language. And well, okay. Uh-huh. I, I want to stop here. Uh-huh. I, I read a very interesting paper from a guy from Biola. Biola. Actually, uh, uh, Shane Rosenthal, my old friend Shane Rosenthal, oh, gave this to guy. me. Calvinator. And, the uh, Calvinator, yes, that's right. <laughs> and uh, this guy was trying to prove that the Holy Spirit doesn't work like the Holy Spirit used to work and uh, cessationism. And we, we now have the Bible. Oh, those so reformed are always trying to organize right? everything. And They would and organize dust in the room if they could. He's making the argument that these people who come from many different corners of the world are together at this Jewish festival where they're supposed to be speaking Hebrew. Probably over 50,000 people. Right. And so instead of speaking these things in Hebrew, they dare to speak it in their own Ethiopian languages. Well, they wouldn't have spoken Hebrew anyway. That, that, that right. language was dead. Well, that is a doorknob. Aramaic, Aramaic, whatever the case yeah, may be yeah, here, right? Yeah. Well, so, Greek would have sufficed. Or Greek. Everybody spoke Greek. Right. But the case is being made, and, and I don't know where he gets this information, that if you came for the Festival of Pentecost, you would be speaking Aramaic or Hebrew. That's the language. Greek. And, and, speak Greek. Or Greek. And how dare these people speak their local dialects? And that's the speaking in tongues. I kind of reject that. I, I don't know what the heck he's of, talking about, but I'm talking, I'm hearing it from you. So yeah. I can't, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, this was also like 15 years ago that I read this. Well, so okay, it's, yeah. it's all foggy. That's but, moldy. But Here, yeah. listen, listen to what it says, though. They were amazed and astonished. Not only bewildered, but amazed and astonished. So bewildered, amazed, and astonished. All together? I'd like to see what that looks like. Saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? See, there's the rub. Hicks. These are the kind of people who say things like, done tore up. (laughs) Shake machines, done tore up. That's it, right there. That's that's your basic (laughs) Galilean. Um, and so, you know, I mean, uh, hardly, hardly ones that are going to be uh, graduates of the Berlitz School of Languages. Rosetta Stone. Or Rosetta Stone. Berlitz is so so 20 years ago. And how is it that we hear, now check this out, each of us in his own native language, okay, and and the word there. See, this is where the guy's making the case, in his own native language, so. Dialectoi, or dialectos. Yeah, idia idia dialecta. They're elected Dialect. Yeah, they're... Dialect. Oh, dialect. Dialect, dialect, yes. So not just language, but dialect. I mean, languages always break up into regional dialects, too, right? Done tore up. Done tore up. And then, and then Luke does us the service of kind of listing some of them so we get the point. <clears throat> I, I love the way Luke does this. Parthians. I love when, when elders read this because they always butcher these names. It's oh, yeah. Fun. It's always Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, that would be the God-fearing Greeks who uh, didn't submit to circumcision for obvious reasons, Um, Cretans and Arabians, (laughs) I love the Cretans, Um, they're all liars, Paul says so. Even their own prophets say so. Cretans and, and... All Cretans are liars. Uh, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in, in our own tongues. 
There's tongues again, the mighty works of God. Is that is that vision casting with the no. they're all liars? No, that's word casting. Oh, oh vision okay. cast no, Paul was just quoting remember to Titus, all Christians <laughs> are liars, even their own prophets say so. Yes. Uh and they were all amazed and perplexed. So let's count these things. Now they're bewildered, amazed, astonished, and perplexed. And amazed again, so they're doubly amazed. I mean, this is th- these people are really fre- freaked out, is what we're talking here. And they say to one another, one of the well, they say to another, the catechism question: What does this mean? But others mocking said the dumbest thing recorded in the Bible. <laughs> They're drunk. They're filled with wine. Yeah, <laughs> with new wine, no less. The bubbly. They're filled with new wine. Why? Why new wine? Cheap stuff? No, it's it's uh, it's it's uh, it's sweet, so you drink a lot of it. Ah, yes, it's, it's the sweet. It's naturally carbonated too, so it's like it's like this would be like you know, fizzy Mike's pop. hard lemonade or something. Something you just kind of pound down. Mai Tais. Yeah, there you go. Or you blue Hawaiians. I gotta get you over to Don the Beachcomber and show you what a real Mai Tai is like. You do. I, I've been making mojitos lately. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, the mojitos. I, I, I've got. I've got. I a guess run you on, got a lot of mint. Going. I have a run on mint right now. What you else? Have you have a lime tree. What else are you gonna do? It now. I got a lemon tree, but I ah. have a lime tree. Now nah, the county's after my lemon tree. Now they just did a major inspection on my lemon tree. Why do they even know about your lemon tree? Uh, they're going door to door looking for citrus. Why? We, we have a we have a uh, we have a nasty disease. Oh, there's Hacienda a lemon Heights disease going around. Citrus that could potentially, if it gets loose, wipe out the entire citrus industry of California. So, wow! So if they tell me cut the tree down, I'm cutting the tree down fast. Seriously, no. Wow. no it's, so it's, this isn't just fascism. This is actually this is serious business. Yeah. It, it wiped out a big chunk of the Florida citrus. When, serious. And and some other country. Uh, I forgot the name of it. It's a, it's a it's a bacterial or a viral thing spread by um, an insect. And uh, we are in the hot zone. We are literally less than a mile from the tree that was discovered. But it's created a panic. The tree this, of death. Yeah, it is. It's created a panic in in the. Um, the uh, the citrus industry. So it's it's not like scoliosis where you just your trees curved and yeah. It's, well, no. What, is, what happens? Death. Uh, what what happens is that it, it <laughs> like so many viral or bacterial diseases <laughs> in plants, it clogs the capillaries and and it causes new growth to wilt. It causes fruit to basically not ripen and and it it just kind of shrivels and falls off the tree and eventually the tree dies but it's bad and it's bad because it's spread very easily by a kind of an aphid or something that's just residents always i mean they found one on my tree so they they nabbed the insect put it in a little vial and now going to see if the send insect, it off for testing yeah yeah and so um you know, it's but we live in an ag area. You know, you got to respect the agriculture because if all this kind of private agriculture, you know, people growing their favorite. I, I think this happened because some Chinese immigrant brought some kind of orange or some kind of citrus uh, in and they were Snuck sharing it through. No, they were sharing it, uh, you know, in a like a garden club or something like mm. that. And uh, sure enough, this thing this thing turns up infected. And um, that's Seen what Laban's done under. <laughs> Pastor Gas, oh yeah. And my word will not return void, and it will f- go to that which it was sent, <laughs> and it will prosper 
but life and joy and the, 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 the nature of God. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Doing a little vision casting. Nice. little vision casting there. So they're filled with new wine, but Peter's standing with the 11. Notice it's the 11. So even though the Holy Spirit falls on all, only the apostles are speaking here. So much for women's ordination. Not even Mary, not even Mary speaks. Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. This is the same Peter that wimped out about 50 days ago. You sure this isn't actually Mary? No, it says Peter. They, you men, sure? men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let what? this be known to you and give ear to my words. I love that phrase, give ear. Instead of listen, give ear. I mean, this is, this is classic rhetoric. Luke, Luke cast this. This is like Socrates, like the great speeches of Greek oration. Uh, Luke, Luke cast this in, in, in the, the, the most high forms. I mean, the speeches and acts are, are all high rhetoric, you know, because these are not verbatim texts by any stretch. So, so Luke can make his characters sound however he wants them to sound. <laughs> and, and, and Peter sounds like, So you know, you're, you're saying... Peter didn't necessarily say "give ear to my words." Oh no, this is a standard. This is a standard form. For, or you think Peter might have said, "Listen up, gang." Yeah, <laughs> y'all, y'all listen to me. Y'all no. listen up here. No, no, he's inspired by the. I mean, he's got the spirits working for him. Well, and, okay. And yeah. hey, when the spirit works, you speak high classical Greek or Elizabethan English. But you see, I'm. We're not. We're not hearing Peter. We're reading Luke. Big difference. Yes. Yeah. Uh, these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. That would be nine in the morning. I don't know about you, but that's never stopped me. <laughs> Just saying. Okay. Usually I'm, I'm pretty well started by then. There you go. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And then he quotes Joel, In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see. Oh, there it is. Visions. Uh-huh. And your old men shall dream dreams. See, that's where, that's where visionary leadership will, will comes Will they cast from. visions? No, they will see them. Ah, they're not going to cast them. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. That doesn't make them pastors now. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs in the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that's the first thing that Peter says. And it's the first thing I think we need to note is this outpouring of the Spirit is the beginning of the last days. Inaugurated eschatology. The, esch- the eschaton, the millennium has begun. Yes. The, the, the uh, Christ uh, now completed the work of salvation, his death, his resurrection, his return to his glory at the right hand of the Father, and now the pouring out of the Spirit. And so uh, we're not going to have enough time for the Nagel. No, I know. I was just looking at that. We'll do that next week. Okay, we'll pick that we'll, up we'll, next we'll, time. But, uh, but yeah. well, we should continue here. Well, considering we only have like, you know, 27 weeks of Pentecost, I guess we could. Yeah, well, it's not much of a season once you get past Trinity. It's just more, more Jesus. The regular season, the ordinary, ordinary time, season, the uh, time of the church, time the of the irregular Holy season for you. Or some people think now is the time to preach lots of third use of the law. Well, this, this, this is when I usually do my, uh, my series preaching here where I'll, uh, you know, take on the finances and the, the, the way, good family, the happy family stuff. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Sanctification. Sanctification. Preaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Preaching to the, remember, Kemmer, preaching to the goal of family. Preaching to the goal of 
Better giving. I, Preaching I ha- to the goal of yada, 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 yada. I had yada. to read that book twice in oh, seminary, gosh. and I am not a fan of Kemmer. No. Kemmer was, a, uh, as I understand it, was a great preacher. Um, influenced a whole generation of preachers and those who taught us. Do you actually go through the 16 steps of writing a sermon? Never. I don't go through any steps to write a sermon. I look at the text and I write a sermon. Good gravy. After 20 years in the ministry, if you have to go and plod through those. Now, I have to say every once in a while, there's a text that's sticky. It just won't preach. Like that one uh, from a couple of Sundays ago, Jesus' high priestly prayer. That's a tough text to preach. Um, Or, well, I mean, but that one in particular, because he's not talking. He's talking to his father. And so we're overhearing well, okay. this. So what kind of sermon can you cook here's, up from that? Here's what I, I beat out of that one was there are three key words going on here. Truth, name, and one. So unity. Word, too. Thy word is truth. Right. You, yeah, you've got, you it, have to sort it, of it, glean. So you've got to pull something Jesus out of Jesus is there. a truth. We are united only under his grace, and, and, and he has given us his name. And so, you know, you work the sacraments ba- basically, and baptism and so forth. and. That's basically that's what I do is I read the text a few times during the week in the Greek. Right. And I try to I try to reacquaint myself because this is now, I think, my seventh whip through the three year lectionary. OK, so so I, I know what the text says. Were, were you one year preacher before that? No, three years. Oh, 20 years in the old, ministry. Old Testament, New Testament gospel or. Actually, that's probably yeah. That's a good point. I, I, I no, but it's the, but that go, say say it's the gospel. It only comes up every three years. Correct. So that's what I mean. The twenty years of ministry, twenty one years. This will be my seventh cycle through okay, the yeah. three year lecture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I know what the text says. I know what the Greek says. That's not the issue. Um, what I need to figure out is what what do I need. What needs to be heard today from this text, which might be different three years ago or six years ago or nine years ago? So you're saying how does your congregation need to be flogged and forgiven this week? Kind of, something like that. Okay. The other thing is I always consult former sermons. You know, people talk about, oh, I went to the barrel this week. I always look to see what I did before. The text hasn't changed. Sin hasn't changed. Redemption hasn't changed. So what changed? No, I I find most of the time why redo so much of the exegetical work that you've already done. Right. I mean, when it's there for you already. I never understood wh- how my pastor on vicarage could sit down on Thursday afternoon at his IBM Selectric and just bang out a sermon. How and long had he been? How long had he been at it? Oh God, like like thirty five. There's years. your answer. Yeah. Not, now I get it. I know the text. Uh, he knows. He <laughs> he knew the text. Now, he had a unique way of doing it too. He wrote out a, what I would call this would be more a written text in the first century mode where the written text was a mnemonic device for the oral proclamation. Oh, okay. See, it's kind of funny. You know, we make so much of the written text. The guys who wrote the written text didn't make nearly as much of the written text as we do. Now, you're of the firm opinion that unless people write out a verbatim text that they're not really proclaiming the gospel, right? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> and that's what I was going to say. What he did was he, he would write out, it, it was one page, a double column. So is and, and the reason it was double column is that he could look at these paragraphs at a glance. He didn't have to read them. Right. And if you read them, they weren't complete sentences. They were just thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so you had just a series of short paragraphs in a double column, one page, both sides. Right. That's what he brought into the pulpit 
to keep him at least remotely on track. And, and he was known for his rabbit trails. Holy mackerel. He'd go, he was all over the map. And hilarious at it, too. When he went off script, it was off the road, baby. We, we, you know, we, were, we were going all over the place, and it was funny. Is it, but but it's, that's part of the thrill of preaching, in my opinion, is you get off on a tangent, and then you, you know, the, the people don't realize that in your mind you're panicking, going, okay, I've gone yeah. way off the I route I haven't here. said a verb in five minutes. How am I going to get back <laughs> on track here? And then sometimes I'll just look up and go, but I digress. And then I go back, you know, but sometimes it's just fun. I've painted myself in a corner now. How do I get out of this? You know, and you, you, anyway, we're almost out of time. Where, where well, are we going? Here? You know, so what is, what is, what does Peter do? He preaches Christ. He preaches, um, his death, his resurrection. And he basically says, you guys killed, <laughs> you guys killed the Messiah. Oh yeah. He just starts slapping them. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ this Jesus whom you crucified. And of course, then they say, brothers, what then shall we do? They were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles. Notice how Luke is very clear on this. Not the disciples, the apostles. The disciples were gathered. The disciples all received the tongues as of fire. But they consult the apostles. That is the core ministry here. What shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him, calls to himself. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's basically the whole make disciples thing right there. You know, the promise is to you, to your children. In fact, Luke has basically accounted how the church got started in one instance all over the Mediterranean world. That list of all the languages, they went home. And they started congregations. And that's how it all began. Th- that's how the, you have congregations that don't have apostles with starting With the day of them. Pentecost. There you like go. Like Rome. Have I shown you my Koa wood pen? Oh, I like Come these. That's nice. We'll I be like back. It. We'll see you next time. I'm getting into pen turning at one time. On the God Whispers. Squirrel. He taught me how to live my life as it should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends before, and I can tell you that. He's one who will never leave you flat. Jesus is a friend.